Hello and welcome to the long-awaited return of the Spirek and Con Report, Spirekin's podcast where we talk about the latest conventions and our thoughts about them. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? And hey, it's Doug from AnimeCon TV. Yes, definitely check them out. Uh, and you can check out myself at www.spirekin.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and various other social media sites. Just type in Spirek in the search bar and I guarantee you'll find us one way or the other. And also, you can find Doug at his uh, Nagoki Talks. Or just just Nagoki. Uh, there's yes. Nagoki, which is my Twitter handle, and, which is just all my random stuff. And occasionally I update what I'm watching, either anime or sometimes otherwise, at which is just Nagoki Watches. Uh, Nagoki Watch. Keep saying Nagoki Talks. I don't know why. <laughs> it just seems to flow. I don't know. <laughs> But I digress. And also, if you like this podcast and want to hear more, you can support our Patreon and help us create more fun content for you to enjoy. And now that that shameless plugging is out of the way, let's actually get to it because this is our first InCon uh, since, well, the long, long ago. <laughs> I, 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 I tracked this down. The last one for me was Anime NYC 2019, which I think might be the last one for you, too. It was the last one for me. It was the last. The last convention I had was anyway lockdown. But yeah, the last. Okay. One was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last in person. Yes. Yes. Last in person was Anime NYC. So it has been a bit, but I gotta admit, it was good to be out and about, and more importantly, great to see people who are actually following the rules and wearing masks. But for those of you who are unaware of the convention we're talking about, we're talking about Otakon. This is actually the twenty. I want to say twenty third. Um, no, more than that. Four it is their times. 26th year. If you don't count the virtual event last year, it was their 26th in-person con. If you count the virtual con last year, it was their 27th con. It was. And it was kind of intriguing to see this because the earlier this year, and I talked about this in the manga news, uh, they originally thought they were going to close forever. They were really concerned about just disbanding because if they didn't have the event this year, then nothing would have happened to it. They would have been gone forever. And they were, they were, they were shaking the can a little too. Yeah. They were, they were begging for donations and I'm happy to see that they were able to survive. And they came up with, I think a pretty well done show this year. All things considered with, you know, only having a much shorter window to prepare, um, just because they weren't sure if they're going to happen with the pandemic still, we're still in the pandemic. We're getting a lot better, but we still have a long way to go. Um, and also just probably, you know, watching how much they spent a bit more. I mean, we, one of the things that stands out to me is we didn't get a printed program guide. We only got their little awesome sheet of awesomeness, you know, that has the general map um, and, you know, a few hours of things like that, but it's not like a full program guide. I mean, that also it's, could have... That also could have been a factor of just not enough time to put one together and edit it, but it's still, that's one way to save some money. It is also, it is a social distancing thing of you don't want to have someone touch their mat copy guide, but it's so weird not to have a guide. It really is. The awesome sheet of awesomeness is kind of cool, but I would have liked at least something like the programming or something, but nope, we got nothing except for, Actually, if you look on the back, it has actually the guests, the feature programming, and the concerts, which would have been in the guide. So it's kind of a yeah. more compressed version. I don't know. I feel weird about it, but it is good that it's a map and it works, even though it's a lot easier to navigate the area which is in, which we didn't even say. This is at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center in Washington, D.C., and this took place August 6th through 8th, 2021. But if you're a regular con-goer, you know as well as I do – what day do you show up? Thursday night or Thursday yep. afternoon. Yep. Yep. So it'll be August 5th through the 8th. And I got to say, the convention center is growing on me. While I was used to the Baltimore convention center, this one is growing on me a little bit. It's definitely just the more time I spend there. I mean, the Baltimore convention center, like, it was a sad day realizing I kind of had seen my last Otacon there, unless they moved back um, for some reason. But uh, because I had, you know, been go I've been going to this con since 2001 um, and knowing that convention center kind of like the back of my hand and knowing kind of knowing the best routes to go to different rooms and stuff like that. And I've definitely gotten better about this at the, the Walter E. Washington convention. 
but I don't know it masterfully like I knew um, the one in Baltimore, and that and that just comes with time. But I'm glad to find that I know a few more places to get food in the area, which is always nice, um, and and little things like that. And a lot of spots that we used to go to that we were going to are closed because pandemic in the outside area. Some people were concerned at the fact that there was a tent village outside of the con center. It wasn't a tent village, maybe more of a tent um, fiefdom. <laughs> yeah, it was very minor. And like, I didn't see anybody getting harassed or anything like that. Um, there was a couple of people talking about a, cu- a couple of things on uh, one of the Otakon uh, Facebook groups. They talked about the fact that some guy at the Connecty Con Hotel straight up the social uh secret service showed up to take him away hmm well that's not suspicious I'm just, at all i'm just curious was it a con goer or was it just some spy who was in washington dc yeah who knows but that's some crazy shenanigans also there is uh the new meme of the con was the odor roach yep yeah because someone saw a roach at their hotel even though i heard that you do not go to the one marriott them, there's some <laughs> horror stories so far. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like three different Marriott-owned hotels in that area. So there's like there's the Marriott Marquis that's attached to the convention center. There's a courtyard by Marriott, and there's a Renaissance, which, if you don't know, is also managed by uh, Marriott Hotels Company. So, <laughs> so one of those three, there are some horrible things which you should burn the place down. But we digress. <laughs> so let's actually get to some of the coolness. Before we get to the all the nitty gritty, first off, the guests for this con were uh, in order. There were Zach Aguilar, Conish, Rico Fajardo, J Music Ensemble, Atsushi Kosaka, Norihiro Kurosawa, Alex Lee, Adam MacArthur, Open World, Lauren Post, Eric Roth, Kaiji Tang, Abby Trot, Hiroshi Watanabe, and Yatko. Susie Young and Joe Zeja. I believe I forgot someone. Who did I forget? Uh, hmm. I forgot honestly, somebody, right? I'm not sure off the top of my head. <laughs> well, there's someone I forgot, but I can't remember who it yeah. is. But I do remember there was the whole issue with the idol group that was supposed to show up because idol group Spark Speaker was supposed to show up, but they disbanded. Yeah. Well, in May, you could tell they had a um. You know, they couldn't bring like a huge Japanese presence, obviously, with everything that's going on with the pandemic. But also it's it was interesting seeing some of the stuff. Um, I got to speak with uh, Susie Young and Ann Yatko and both of them. This was their first time coming to a con as a, as a like a VIP guest. And I think they they got some newer people and stuff like that. Either some of the um, voice actors just weren't risking it, or they were also just trying to get some fresher blood, things like that. Or you know, maybe it's also because these are newer voice actors. Maybe they don't have as high of a, an appearance fee as other voice actors. There's any variety of factors that I can only speculate on. I can't say for sure it was this reason or not, but it was it was a lot of names I hadn't seen before, which was neat. Uh, I was still shocked that you got that interview, the the first interview, which that oh. was just shocking. And you said you just asked him, and he was like, "Okay." Well, that, 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 so, um, keep an eye on the Anime Con TV uh, channel for for this upcoming interview. Um, that was Robert Woodhead, who you don't see too many uh, at too many conventions, but he's in charge of Anime uh, Ego, and he was going to be presenting a couple things because they were. Had a couple screenings and they were actually doing one small panel. Um, and I just asked, hey, can I interview for you the podcast? And Otakon's press team is very helpful in that they say, you know, we they always provide a space that, like, okay, if you want to interview the guest or Otakon staff, contact us. We'll help set that up. But if there's someone that's not in that bubble and you need an interview space, let us know and we'll help give you space for it. And that's that's one to look forward to. Shameless plug, shameless plug. Um, it was yeah. really a no, that one definitely we'll be putting in the show notes when it comes out, so officially everyone will know. Go to Anime Kanza TV to see that interview and see the other interviews as well. Correct. Correct. 
Yes, and those are going to be a lot. Those are going to be exceptional from what you told me. It sounded like a great interview. And so overall, I think that the guests weren't – understandably, we didn't have, like you said, a large Japanese presence for people who actually are in the you know, creators. But there was a decent amount of uh, guests that did show up. And also, it did show the fact that there was not a concert this uh Yeah, well, there, was that, well, there was that small concert. But it wasn't like the big like Japanese performing group or things like that. Um, it, it kind of felt like with, and you could definitely see this in the guests of a little bit of easing back in, both in terms of coming back to conventions in general and Otakon saying, okay, let's let's watch our money a little bit and things like that. So not cutting everything off, but just saying, okay, we need to go take a step back this year. And we'll work our way back to where we were. And I think that's a good approach. I think if they did this for two years, they can afford go back to affording a major guest or maybe get that big guest that we've been wanting to see that they've never been able to get. You know, like a certain creator of giant robots that shoot their hands like fists. Hint, hint, before he dies. Oh, I mean, there's we're starting to reach that list where there's a lot of people where it's like, oh, we need to get so and so before they die. Um, that's that's the problem with anime fandom getting uh, longer and longer. But it's... You know, a lot of people are dying earlier and earlier. I mean, this year alone, we lost uh, Kentaro Mara and uh, the guy who made Stitch in the Samurai. Yeah, um, which were so, which are reviewed this week. Yeah. Um. So, so it's I, I don't want to harp on the topic of Otakon's financials too long because. Part of it is I don't know, so a lot of this is just speculation. What, what, and we, speculation this is allegedly from, speculation from what I can see and what I know from my own experience for working at cons is just I think you know this might be a good opportunity to say where are we spending money we shouldn't be and like where can we cut some costs and stuff like that and maybe we don't you know maybe instead of the Rolls Royce for this. We are happy with just the Mercedes or something like yeah. that. You know, just ways to scale it back a little here and there, see what works, doesn't, and just, you know, maybe find out where where some of the glut is. I mean, I, it's, it is a lot of work to put on a con this size, don't get me wrong. But, you know, just look around, see what else can be found. They did a, uh, with what they had, they did a good job. And yep. speaking of which, let's get to it, actually, because the sales this year, uh, total number was, uh, this is not turnstile numbers, this is just their sales that they've released. It was 25,543, uh, which is not bad at all for what we thought would have been like 10,000. Yeah. So it's it's doing all right. Uh, if you give me just one moment, I will... Pull up their 2019 numbers from, again, shamelesspokeanimecons.com. 2019, they were at um, 28,430 total people. That's staff members, attendees, and stuff like that. That's not turnstile attendance. So that's, and that's not... So they did pretty yeah. well. It, it did feel less crowded than I thought, but I didn't think it was going to be that close to the previous number. It felt like the first year at in Washington. Yeah, that's that's very fair. And um, also uh, another th- point of order is that everybody was told right from the get-go they're not going to check your vaccination, but you better wear a mask. And panelists were like, "You don't have to wear a mask at the at the um, when you present, but when we get there, they told us no, you have to wear your mask." They were very harsh on inside of the convention center maintaining the you need to wear your mask unless you're eating something and you're far enough away from people otherwise they, they went back they went back and forth with the panelists they said no you don't have to wear presenting then yes you do and then they said no you're if you're at the table you're more than six feet apart but just every panelist i saw both like when i was on one and other ones everyone was still wearing it and i think I talked with a handful of different people I know who were panelists that just said, you know, one, they wanted to protect themselves, but they also said, you know, as presenters for this con, let's set the good example, which I thought was a really mature and smart way to do it. 
And I agree with that. I thought, thought the same thing. I wanted it to be, I wanted to be safe. I double masked the majority of the, at all the convention, I double masked and I came through clear. And when who says, Oh, you can't hear people with masks. BS. You can hear people. The only person who I was like, okay with not wearing a mask was the one translator, um, the uh, ASL translator, because you need the expressions. Yeah. And, so that was fine with that. And yeah, that, that ASL translator, like I want, uh, I saw, I think, the same one. I don't know if they had more than one at most of the panels I was going to. I think specifically, like, the person who needed it requested it. But he he was doing a very good job social distancing. Too. And it's it's He nice was doing to, his work. And it was nice to see that accessibility option available for people. I will say I feel very bad for for the, that translator, though. Because of some of the things they had to translate, uh, he, you could tell he was having fun. I think he was a he was a fan himself. So at least I hope I I I genuinely hope he he was because that would be yeah. Great. Like he looked a little mortified with some of the things that Gerald was saying. Oh well, well that is um the history of hentai panel that we're talking about, and uh, yeah, yes. But, uh, um, other little things I like. Um, the overall spacing of the convention was done with social distancing in mind. I noticed that a lot of the ropes for the um, for the lines were a little more spaceful, even though you did have line cons still. But it seemed a little bit more – there was more understanding. The only time I really felt really nervous about social distancing was the AMV contest room. Because that room is so cr- full and so cramped, it's much it's a much smaller screening room than they've had in the past. Whereas most of the other panels I went, even in that were in that AMV theater room, but just most times I could kind of find a seat with kind of a bubble of other people, you know, away from me and stuff like that. Maybe it's just the type of panels I go to, but for the most part, I never really felt too squished. And I think a lot of my unease was more because that room was just brutally hot like it felt like the it air was, conditioner it, was broken it was brutally hot and also it did feel like they were just one it felt more packed than usual like it mm-hmm. felt a lot more packed than usual but them cycling everyone in and out in and out in and out and they said oh budge over budge over that was not cool i i got up and left because i got so sick of that because i was towards the back of the room and trying to ask the yeah. uh, one staff member i could find to find, you know, give me a break and maybe pick another section to send people for a while. And it was, yeah, no, it just, I, I've, that, it's that the kid. first time I, 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 it's the first time I've left an AMV contest because I felt angry. Normally if I leave early, it's because I have, have other things I want to see and do at the con. And I, I, I felt bad because I could tell I was going to lose my temper if I left. And it wasn't the fault of the people that were walking in front of me. They were just going where the staffer was telling them to go. So yeah, no, it, it's part of me thinks you should have let loose because he was a little bit of a dick. But it's it, yeah, I would well, I would have lost my temper at the attendees, not the staffer. That's the thing. So yeah, but besides that, oh, go I on. just hope I just hope they move it to a better better room next time. Hopefully they do a more spacious room. I. The other thing is I did feel that the spacing was kind of uneven. Some were really cramped. Some weren't not bad, mm-hmm. depending on the viewing room. But that's that could be the the convention center's rules in general. Overall, not bad. I I thought it was well done. Everything made sense. Um, now let's get to actually the dealer's room. Now the dealer's room, there was no um, real industry presence. I mean, the only industry presence was discotheque. Yeah, and they're you don't really view them as industry at this point. Like they, their industry presence is their panel, and then everyone just goes to their booth, which is just just it looks like a regular DVD booth unless you know who Discotech Media is. And but hey, look at the plus side; they're mo- they're much more um, uh, put together than the Media Blasters booth that looks like a garage sale. The Media Blasters, yeah. The Media Blasters booth gets weirder every year, I swear. Hey, they had some cool stuff this time. I wasn't going to buy it, but they had some cool stuff. Yeah. Hey, they're uh, they're holding on. I, more power to them. Yes, um, but you had some great people at the dealer's room. Even though you didn't have the media presence, there was about 10 feet between 
the aisles. So you had tons of space for traffic to walk through. And while in the artist alley wasn't bad as well, there were some great artists. I commissioned a couple things from them. But going back to the dealer's room, the big turnouts were one, you had the one of the greatest Lupin cosplayers back again, even though he changed his jacket to a leather jacket now, which is really weird. But seeing him was kind of cool. Uh, Wild Bills was down there. I was surprised. Oh. And they had two booths? Or they, had the, they had two booths. They had one in the dealer's room and one in the video game right, vendor. And for those of you who don't know, Wild Bills is a vendor that basically sets up a, a small trailer in the convention with a bunch of soda taps. And you buy their branded mug from them, and you get unlimited soda refills for either the day or the weekend, depending on the event. And, you know, it's a great way. Like, oh, I'm thirsty or something. And it pays for itself pretty quickly because soda's cheap. And more often than not, you can get like a collector's um, mug for the event and stuff like that. And I have to say with all the COVID and everything, and even if they rinsed your cup before you went and got more, that still made me way too nervous to do it. Even though I, I have a couple wild bills cups. I just, I couldn't bring that to myself for safety concerns. If they had, yeah, there are some people who are gross over there drinking like, and I was like, yeah, no. And I, I will say this: if they had had a special commemorative Otakon 2021 mug uh, or something like that, like a special edition mug, I would have gone to that and just bought the mug and not any soda for the weekend, just to kind of support them. But they didn't have that. Yeah, no. Um, I was looking at the, the 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 list. I was not like enthralled. I mean, yes, Asparilla, okay, but eh, not this was, time. I will say they do good soda, but just my health isn't worth good soda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it wasn't um, – there was no other, like, food vendors that were really, like, like no go-go sushi or um, – You mean go-go curry? Was the, oh, no, sorry. Go, no, there's go-go sushi, too. But that, well, that's okay. a Hawaiian place. I'm mixing up the two. Uh, <laughs> but go-go sushi, uh, go-go cur- curry, um, nothing like that. Um, not a lot of food vendors. Not a lot of shirts shirt and clothing vendors i mean there was a couple of cosplay booths but nothing to the extent of here's the booth that has a bunch of stuff you could get on etsy for free for cheaper yeah there it's weird like i and i'm i wish i could think of the uh like tea turtle and there's a couple other ones like that that their business model is kind of like print a bajillion shirts load up for the con and then like okay now next weekend we're going to another convention replenish our supply a little bit and go go with that and i wonder if it's either if they went under or they just couldn't you know they didn't couldn't produce what they wanted to because then they'd be stuck with extras it's again you, one of those ones you wonder about you do wonder about it um some but besides that some of the uh standouts of course uh seeing anime pavilion and cheap manga still holding on that's good on them that made me so happy cheap manga especially because they they, they, I know they had switched to an online model to just try and get some people to still support them, and they're they're because they're that great booth of you never know what they're gonna have there. Like you have an idea, but you're never certain, and you inevitably find something like, oh yeah, you find that one series like I didn't know about this full price, but okay, now it's four bucks a volume. I can I can take the risk. And that's why that booth is so much fun is because it's the... And they drop the price, which is awesome. Yeah. And I, I also love... One of the reasons why I love their booth is they have no problem of, oh, well, you know, it goes drops down to, like, it's normally... I'm just... I don't remember the exact numbers, but normally it's like eight bucks of, of issue of volume. But when you buy, get a couple more, it drops to like four bucks. And they have no problem with, like, a group of friends saying, hey, we're all kind of close, so if we all buy together, we all get it for cheaper. They they seem to not only allow that, but, but encourage it. <laughs> so. Yep. And I had a little bit of a conversation with the owner of Cheap Manga, and it was interesting to find out what she thought about location during this time. And there are some interesting facts about it, like the fact that she is not going to be going south of, well, D.C., for a while yeah because it's crazy yeah gotta go go gotta go where you can make your money but still be safe 
Yep, that's her thing, and I have no problem with that. And then Animal Pavilion, well, he's he said straight up, he doesn't know if he can keep doing this just with the loss. I mean, he was one of those. It was every weekend he was at a kin- convention. So. Yeah, and then when the COVID hit, he was begging people to just buy his store. So, which which yeah. you should go to. Definitely check out his store. Same thing with another vendor otaku joe's i was happy to see them back i really was i thought they were going to be gone but yeah otaku joe's has been putting out the call on their facebook page and that's another one that really benefits from just browse and see what they have but he's doing a lot of good posting of like here's a bunch of albums that i have for sale like vinyl albums and stuff like that um and i will say he had at least like three boxes of vinyl records and laser discs because those make like even if you don't have a player for them you can frame them they make great wall art and i noticed by the end of the weekend at least the uh laser disc case was starting had like he had basically emptied out one so that's good and it seemed like the dvds that he had two were also had a good chunk taken out of which was nice to see so yeah no he had sold a lot there was a lot of eye candy that i really wanted to buy but yeah i had to to hold it in. I I, it in I, I, I I was surprised the Garzi's wing laser disc set survived the weekend. I really thought someone was going to grab it. And by someone, I mean me. <laughs> I don't know. Someone may have told you not to do it, but who knows? Uh, so um, thinking of other, well, besides that, you had the, the Baz booth, which was the custom wooden chopsticks. That was a very unique booth. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there was another one I'm thinking of. Um, not Foam Games, not Manga Gamer. Um, yeah, well, there there was Foam Brain Game, and there was a, yeah, there was another one. There, there was a there there was a couple game supply vendors and had some good deals. Um, I I would I will say one vendor that stood out to me was uh, Lunar Toy Store, which has like a lot of model kits and stuff like that. And they had very reasonable prices. I found a couple harder to find um, model kits, and I thankfully I limited myself to only two. But they had, um, you know, very reasonable prices, especially for harder to find stuff. They still kept it um, sane and didn't mark it up too much. Um, the thing that stood out to me there is they had um, the the new Perfect Rate Unleashed RX78 Gundam, which is kind of the highest end uh, Gundam model that exists right now. They were selling it for 290 whereas another vendor had it when wanted 400 Yeah, that was... Uh, thank you for not for having me not buy from that. Even though they did have... That booth did have the Galgagar model. Yep. Which I would have paid that exorbitant amount for because Galgagar. <laughs> and uh, so going from there, like I said, Artist Alley, really great. I would like to hit up a bunch, but there's a lot of them, and I didn't write down names, sadly. I wrote down booth numbers. But um, the deal, the game room, that was kind of desolate. Could I that could was... I backtrack to the Artist Alley for just a moment? Sure. I, I have to say, I saw a few people selling masks, but I was honestly kind of shocked how few. I, I really thought, like, anime and game and nerdy property-themed masks were going to be a slam dunk. And man, barely anybody sold them. And maybe it was they sold out, but it, it felt like barely anybody had them. And it seemed like but that. We was... saw people with the cool ones on, though. We saw the guy with the Mazinger mask. There was that. And there was, yeah, people. And there was a lot of people that took the mask policy as in a way to, like, wear, wear a nerdy one or make one that matched their costume, which was great. But for once for sale, I was really shocked at how few I saw. Yeah, no. Uh,. The artist alley, I just there were some good things, but for the most part, it was kind of I don't want to say tumbleweedy, but yeah. You have to know what you're looking for and be patient. And if you're lucky, an artist you really like, either that you because you follow them or you have a chance to browse their booth, and you can get something. But it's that's that's artist alley. It's always going to be a little bit of either a lot that you like or almost nothing yep and a lot and there weren't as many of those guys who have the same painting uh, same printed portraits mm. those guys who say oh it's my personal work 
and it's the same one, three three down. There weren't a lot of those. They cracked down on that. Yeah. Which was pretty good. Um, but let's go to the gaming room, and game room was pretty desolate. And maybe that's because that one, the company that they used to go to, went out of business, and now they're cr- trying to fill the void. They they'd also they also spread it out more. Like there's like in that big exhibit hall on that the higher floor of the I guess the second highest floor of the convention center. You, they opened another air wall, so they spread out things more. Um, but yeah, there wasn't as much flashy, entertaining stuff. I did see like basically at every pod of consoles or cabinets, there was a sign of "Please disinfect the, your game after playing." Like, and they had supplies to do that. So I there was a lot they, of complaints. Of, oh, go on. Go I'm on. just glad they, that they were do, they they encouraged that. They weren't emphasizing it, but there was a lot of complaints about people who wouldn't do it, who wouldn't wipe it down, or the there's the three game rule, you know, three games, then you switch out. People were hogging it. There were some yeah. some I don't want to say malcontents, but some individuals were making it not a great time for others. So so it's and like going to, it's, it's like going to the gym at home where someone hogs the machine you want and doesn't wipe off after. Got it. Pretty that's it exactly. Uh, and also, I was surprised that, well, I remember it used to being, there were five uh, Pump Up the Beat and five DDRs and the drum game and the flip game and there was flip the table game and there was not that many. There was like two of each, two or one. So it was not not as much emphasis on gaming or uh, tabletop gaming, but that's because, again, stay away from me. I don't know you. Yeah. So but, I understood that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that can come back later on. But, uh, yeah, hopefully it does. I mean, part of me would have done the uh, the game, the game, the one shot at a con, but yeah, I did didn't check the LARP out. Did you? I did. I did not. I walked by that room because it was near another room I had to visit a lot, but I I did not check out the LARP. I was kind of curious to look in there, but also kind of scared because they also do the ninja and the werewolf. <laughs> I do not know. Don't want to mess with that. But now let's actually get to the fun part. The thing we both were involved in the panels. Yes. And you had one pan. You had one panel, which was the opening panel for the con. Actually, it wasn't the opening. We were about uh, maybe half an hour, an hour before some of the other ones, or after some of the other ones. But we were one of the earliest ones. Um, yeah, but that you were was, doing. Um, oh, go on. That that was uh, the giant robot generations with. Uh, uh, Pat and uh, Tom Asnable, and that's that's always fun because we get to tell people to check out um, giant robot shows that they might not have before, and we specifically focused on the 90s this year, which made it really kind of a, an interesting challenge to think, does this one count as 90s because it started in 89, but most of the episodes were in 1990 and things like that, and talk about what what made that era unique for mecha anime. Hey, you had some very good recommendations. I mean, opening up with one of the greatest of all time, oh, uh, Desco, nicely done. Even though there was not enough Guy Daigoji. I mean, there's never enough Guy Daigoji. That, that, that's that, that's the first rule. Yes, yes. The the name of his soul. Oh, but um. Uh, so what else we had? I had two panels. I had my 22 manga creators. Every grown up should know which was pretty much a nice turnout for that. And a lot of people were interested in finding out who these people I was talking about were. And I said it was an introductory panel, so they understood that. It wasn't going too in-depth in each of these, each of the individuals I talked about. I did post about who I talked about on uh, our website at spirekin.com. Also, I did the other panel, which was that one, that only the Insane Manga Challenge Part 10, Back from Isolation, which was now made COVID friendly because it was spaced out. So one person got to answer the questions. A lot of fun was had. We may have went over by like 10 minutes, mm-hmm. but uh, some of the other standout uh, panels, I think uh, like out of the ones that you had, what would be your top five? You think? Um, okay. In, so, in you first. Okay. So uh, just going, hitting off each one. Uh, First off, one I would definitely recommend. I'm not going to go into the industry because I think we're on the same page on those. But Sound of 
uh, anime was well done. That's done by friend of the podcast and really cool guy, John Paul Nassen, known as Fightbait, uh, who works in real film. He does sound design and he's a sound editor. He actually went into the emphasis of sound, how the how voices are, are recorded and how sound could change a scene entirely. It's really fascinating what he did. He showed his craft in full. It's not just the, oh, here's how you record a voice. It's No, it goes more into that, like how to sync the that voice, how to make that connect with all the original sound effects, how music taking it in or removing it will change things. It was really fascinating. So just again, I'll give this in kind of no particular order. Um, there was one called Stand Back, I'm Going to Try Kit Bashing, which I love the approach that they did for this workshop panel was he had made two kind of armature skeletons before the convention. And then he had, he's like, okay, I'm going to work on a design, just try and figure out, talk about the techniques as I do it. And, you know, kind of build a creation from that. And here I have my friend. I, I can't remember the friend's name, but it's like, I'm just going to say my friend, Bob, who's never done this before. He's going to build something too. Just full listening along and following with the techniques because that way I can show you how easy it is to learn. And so, like, you know, every 10 minutes, it's like, well, okay, we talked about this. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? And they would move the uh, kind of the camera that was a close-up for showing what was being worked on onto Bob's creation, and you could see what he was making. And it was a really good emphasis on, yes, even you, you can do this too. And I thought that was really neat. So it wasn't an unholy abomination. No, no, he had some really creative stuff, and it was, again, I like the angle of, I'm not going to tell you how easy it is, I'm going to show you how easy it is. That is pretty cool. Another panel i got to bring up is one that was done by Pat and uh, Ed Chavez, that is the Manga Master series for Kentaro Mura, going into his backstory and more of the things he had worked on. Like, I didn't know that he, one of his favorite things that he emphasized on was post-apocalypse. I was like... Really? The guy who made Berserk did post-apocalypse manga. I didn't know that. I thought it was all <laughs> swords and sorcery, not motorcycles and uh, Mad Max clones. Yeah, That um, was a, a fun one, and they knew their stuff, and you, you saw the reverence of it. Also, uh, rest in peace, uh, Murasan. Yeah. That was a shame. Um, right. So another one, like we'll, we'll get into industry ones later. Um, I finally saw... Um, George Horvath, Land of Obscusions, um, companies that knew nothing about what anime fan, yes, that's singular, singular wants, um, because that the amount of research he did into that, and the stories that he told, like, I knew some of the stories behind some of these companies, and other ones I was like, how have I never heard this? This is insane. <laughs> like, it was great and really well-researched. There were some that were just made my mouth drop, like that one where it was like, yeah, kids spent student loans on <laughs> property and yep. went to jail. Yep. Um, the, uh, yeah. the other one that I really want to shout out um, with, uh, with some very constructive criticism is uh, Evan Minto, from the, uh, who does the Annie Gamers podcast, had the Art of the Eyecatch panel. And he admitted right up front, like, there hasn't been much, much research into this. A lot of what I'm doing is my own research um, to create this panel. And the best way I can describe it, and I, I mean this in the most supportive, appreciative way possible, is this was a very good first draft of a panel. This panel could really take shape if there's a bit more time to do some more research, find some more things, talk about it in depth and stuff like that. It's it's all so close to being a really good panel and it wasn't that as bad. It's just, I look at this panel and I see there is potential here to make it even better. So I hope he goes back to it, makes it even better because it's a cool topic. And the points that he brings up are really good points to discuss and talk about it. And it's something that you don't think about with anime very much, but it is an essential part of so many shows. So I I really want to shout that one out as like Evan, if you're listening to this, please keep going because I w I want to see you make this one even better. Yeah, it's 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 there. It's just needs to be tempered a little bit, and then it's set. 
it's yeah. honed. You just got to just sharp that edge a little bit and it'll be great. I really enjoyed a lot of it and I felt like it captured some of the better parts. I just wish there was a little more to it. But again, like he said, he's still working on it. It's that was the the beta. So we're going to see where that goes. Um there was an earlier uh I can't remember the name of it and I deleted the guidebook. Um it was uh Daryl's panel, the first one. Um oh the the anime 30 years ago maybe. Yeah, anime 30 years ago, which that one, that was fascinating, going over some of the great hits from 30 years ago. And some were so like, I remember this series, and others were not so much. What's, but that what, was a fun panel. What's neat about that panel is he's done this in a couple different year, uh, times now, is you can have, every year you can do a 30 anime 30 years ago and have a new panel. So it's a good perennial one that because you, you're going to have to change, like, what happened in 1991, if we, there's a panel, he does it next year. Oh, well, what happened in anime in 1992 is going to be different, and you can change it up this year. So it's a good way to kind of get people to come back. It's also a great way to, uh, not catalog, but to showcase the history of anime throughout the years. Yeah. I mean, I forgot Chron- that Rick Veda came out. Chronicle it, yeah. Yes, chronicle it. Yeah, like I forgot Rig Veda was an allegory to the actual uh, Hindu story. I was like, I didn't know that, or I forgot about that. Gerald from Anime World Order doing uh, History of Hentai in English. And again, incredibly well-researched. Like I, I was shocked that he found the original, the first one that was made by the creator of Gertie the Dinosaur. I was like, how the hell did he find and the, that? And the, the, like this is like, you don't think of like... You don't think of like someone talking about the a studio that made Gertie the Dinosaur, arguably the first real animation piece, making a dirty like a um a, a stag film. But sure enough, and it's like and it's relevant to the topic of the of a hentai panel. But there you go. And uh, uh, oh, I just love he's like like your parents are perverts. Don't forget that. Yep. Your parents are just as sick as you are. I was like, yeah, that was pretty. Um, yeah, that that covered just about everything. Just yeah, kind of awkward, <laughs> but fun. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. There was another one that I checked out. Um, well, there's manga like it's 1999, which was done by Anime Feminist, and um, I got the other panelists who did that, but they did an exceptional job. With their uh, panel, I thought it was well done, well crafted, and pretty good. And it's good to see more manga because there was tons of manga tracks this uh, mm-hmm. convention. I was kind of shocked at that that there was so much manga going on as yeah, well. There, yeah, it was. There were some surprising tracks like manga. There was like six Gundam panels, which is so weird to see. <laughs> Normally at Otakon, there's been like one or two, which is fine, but I was honestly shocked to see six this year. Um, yeah, the what's this this Gundam thing you said was they were just like enthusiasts, but it was good. That that that, that was um our friend John who was talking about that. But that's hey, different styles of panels because different panelists, and that's that's totally different. That's in the and oh I yeah have no problem with that. Um, should we get into the industry panels because I think oh yes, let's get to the, uh, well there are three there were three industry panels. The two that we want to talk about, then let's get the third one out of the way. This one was the, we're just going to watch live streams from other people around the world to hear what's coming out. Yeah. Uh, Very cheap and very clever, but yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. uh, yeah. I have feelings. Just It felt kind of lazy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Anime Ego, unfortunately, I didn't catch, but um, Robert Woodhead... Because they've licensed a Takuno video, he had a stack of old like bags from the release of a Takuno video in Japan, like paper shopping bags that with the logo and everything. And he said, if you can prove that you were part of the Kickstarter, like pull out one of your old supporter emails, you get one of these bags. <laughs> Which is that was that's pretty cool. Like that's that's owning a piece of history right there. Um, that that is one of the ones where uh, did. Were you able to get it back? Uh, I was offered one and politely declined because I was not going to the panel and I wanted to give someone who's actually there more of a chance. I thought it was only fair. I didn't want to abuse my connections. 
I gotta bet that's very honorable. Also, I'm in the process of reorganizing a lot of my my apartment, and it's like I don't need one more thing to keep track of. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but I'll, I'll I'll stick with my more noble sounding thing of yeah, let somebody else have the chance. <laughs> Which makes sense, and that's the that's the big thing. That is what makes sense. So there's that one. There was let's get to Denpa. Denpa, the the cup the company that could with three people who are busting their asses off making so many series. Um, their releases were pretty astounding. I gotta admit, uh, the fact that they got March comes in like a lion. I thought that Kodansha would have picked that up, but I'm happy that Denpa got it. Yeah. Oh, this was they were getting so, they were announcing some good stuff and like some of its things we've already known in the works, but seen like. What the cover art for Men Who Created Gundam is going to look like is really great to see. Um, stuff like that. Um, but one of the things that I really liked about the panel is one of the titles that they're remastering, which name escapes me at the moment. Um, it's one an older one. They were talking about how they had to get the original plates of this work from Japan to really produce it and everything like that. And that's just... Uh, blows my mind. It's like that they're doing that. And this is, I've said this a couple times before, but I wish more companies would get into the nuts and bolts of things like that. And there's a place for rah rah, we're releasing that, this thing and that. But I also like just like the crazy misadventures of license, like, like releasing a thing. And I'd love to just get a bunch of people in the industry that have had to deal with things like that of like, this is the crazy thing we had to do to um, get this released in America. Because I, you, you know there's some amazing stories there. No, and the stories that they had to work with were, you know, the things that they said they've had to do with the three of them, it's kind of shocking. But again, I'm happy that they are... That's things they've got. I mean, the fact they've got Char's Counterattack, they got uh, the They Were Eleven. Mm-hmm. That's a and big get. They, they got yeah, uh, Motohagio, yeah. And like I asked, if they get the rest of the collection, they got this. Um, the one that I was surprised that they were not well, they didn't get a booth, but if they had a booth, I would totally want to pick up is the girl with the San Paku eyes. That one sounds a lot of fun. It is, but also really hard to get a hold of because apparently. Even though it's available on Amazon, certain other stores can't get a hold of it. But that's that's other shop talk. Uh, so what else is there? I'm trying to think. Well, uh, the manga gamers panel. Mm-hmm. Which that one? I, I yeah, unfortunately history. don't follow them, so I can't talk about it. Oh, bad anime bad was back 20th anniversary. Yeah, that's another perennial one. Oh, the Macross musical warfare. Yeah. Uh, anime Yummy Food, which is the food anime. J-Horror, Do-It-Yourself Zines, which I even realized that was a thing still. Show Era Openings. Where is that other one? I know there's another one. Toho Project. No, that's not industry, right? Uh, no, that's that's a fan creation that has kind of become one, but yeah. From another world. Animago we talked about. Um, Iron Editor doesn't count, because that's that's a weird yeah. thing. Uh, why do I feel like I'm missing? I know I'm missing one. I can't seem to remember. I don't know, but we, we, we got to get to the big one. Yep, let's get... You know what? So there are several others that, that escape us right now, and I feel bad for but let's get to the big one. The one which, well, surprisingly, when we first went there, the first time that we both went to this panel, there was five people in the panel, all and a Twitter. Yep. This year, it the was room. standing room only. Yeah. Oh, so Discotech has become has become a panel that you don't want to miss if you, especially if you like classic or new classic um, anime on DVD. And I this I, I could if I only did one pan thing at Otakon. Like if I could said if they said you know pandemic's raging, you get you can only go to one event all con and then you have to leave. I would have said the discotheque panel um, because yeah, I agree. They always, and it's just, they talk about what they're releasing, but they keep it, they keep it moving. It's, it's less, Hey, rah, rah, go us. It's more, 
hey, check out this cool stuff. Like, this thing is cool. We want to share this cool thing with you. We want to make it as cool as possible. And answer the obvious question to get free stuff. Yep. Um, and Which I was going to raise my hand for, and I did not, but you got stuff. No, that was George's panel. Oh, that's right. That is George's panel. I thought you got uh, something. I thought you got something. At, um, I no. did not. I have in the past. You raised not. your hand, but you did not. Yeah, that's correct. Right. Um, but so, but again, this is the the thing I I go back to is where they talk about the technical aspects. Like, okay, they're going to get a Blu-ray release of Samurai Troopers or Ronin Warriors, whichever name you want to call it. But they had to go back and match the speeds because the American English version of it, they had changed the speeds in weird ways, episodes to make it fit the American time slot a bit more. And, like, all the work they did that and how it's like, oh, well, here's all the files that we did to this. It's 400 gigabytes or remastering it, this this thing brought Justin Savakis's computers to it, computer to its knees because it was that intense. I love that they said once it goes to print, then he'll sleep good. Yeah, and just again, just all the neat little hard work and like maybe maybe I'm in the minority, maybe there's not enough, but I really think you got some people that have been doing this for enough years in the industry you could get some great stories. And even if it's just a story time panel that so, but like they're talking about their uh, project echo release and how just how incredibly amazing that's going to be. Um, just oh, like that, that, that one I'm excited. And I love that they were talking about the design for the poster and how it's a slightly different yellow than what's been portrayed on the boxes before. And they yeah, they go back to it. Yeah. Things like that. Um, they announced a bunch of stuff, but of course, I, I think it's time to mention the the not the elephant, but the uh, the Buster machine in the room. <laughs> oh, 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 oh! Are you talking about uh, what is that one? Um, uh, are you what was the, the random one that they had? Uh, yes. There's I forgot. There's this stupid one. I know the one that I was going to say one of the dumb ones that they had. Yeah. I forgot it. But yeah, Gunbuster. Let's just get out there. Gunbuster, Gunbuster is getting a new release, and it's getting a new dub. Yeah, it's getting a dub, which it's never had before. Yes. Well, I think there's a dub in French, but... Oh, okay. But, I mean, the tweet I post, the two tweets I remember posting about this is, like, they saved this for, like, the last 90 seconds of their panel. Like, because they knew no one was going to be able to settle down until after, after this announcement. So, uh, good, good, good plan of tracking on them, but... Um, The two things I said is, like, when I saw Discotech is going to be releasing Gunbuster on Blu-ray, the tweet I sent out was just a picture of their slide with just the caption, Santa Claus is real, you guys. (laughs) Um, But the other thing I comment is, Discotech panels are always just, it's a positive room. It's always, you leave there feeling so hyped and so excited, like, oh man, I'm glad a bunch of other people enjoy this stuff as much as I do, sort of feeling. And it's just like, I, I, the way I put it is, I've always wished I could battle, bottle that, po- those positive feelings before, because it is such a great thing. And It is a great thing. And when they said, we've got Gunbuster, that room lost its goddamn mind, and any joy I used to know from a discotheque panel, this was the unleaded, unfiltered, pure, high-octane version of that joy. It was it was amazing. And because this panel was on Saturday night instead of Sunday afternoon like they normally are, everyone was talking about it the next day at the convention. Everybody was and I and like I said in my tweet, I said that uh, it feels like we're in the church of discotech with minister Mike Toole and Deacon Justin Savakis and Brady Hartle. Yeah. It was it was just seeing the things the work they were doing with with besides Samurai Troopers, you had uh, Lupin the Third, uh, and I like the fact the little thing like his arm is just his left hand flipped around. <laughs> I was like, yep. What? And then of course uh, Cutie Honey the Live, and there's another Tokusatsu show they're getting, but until they get Lion Maru, I will not be satisfied. Oh, there. When they get Lion Maru, then I will be satisfied. Then Discotech will be s- officially Santa Claus. It's real. Um, I, it's there's always going to be something that you never thought of. You never thought you wanted another re- uh, 
on American Home Video release until they say, oh, by the way, you've got this, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap, I need this now. Uh, I can't wait. I just, it's, they did a great job. And so those are the panels for this con and wow, it was great. It was well done. Our friends had fun. Um, the after, um, Otakon thingy that we do was fun. Apparently I heard that there was a argument about Tenji Moyo again. (laughs) I think that's becoming a trend that every single time there is an argument about Tenji Moyo. I'm just just curious what, I'm just glad it always happens after I leave the room. You have feelings? Would you get involved with this, too? I, I would not get involved. That would be my cue to escape. Hey, I, I have feelings, and I got the... And I officially ordered the, the true Tenchi Moyo uh, light novels, so I'm going to get those. That's the true Tenchi. And <laughs> and I will die on a hill that he, sh- that, that he should have ended up with Mihoshi. And apparently three other people agree with me, so yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, we could talk about Dunbar. No, we're not talking about Dunbar. No, Dunbar. Um, so now on to the the cosplay attendees. Uh, tons of cosplay. A lot of people were dressed normally. A lot of normies, but there were some interesting cosplays. I think my standout cosplay, the person who got the best cosplay, the winner for it all, was definitely this girl, this young lady, who did a cosplay that was like. Paper mache, bondo, and something else, and she made a bone koopa. Oh, the dry bones, yeah, that she was incredible. Yeah, that was that was that's probably my standout. That's probably my my in my top three for cosplays. It was her definitely. I mean, we had um, who else did we have? We had, um, of course. Oh, oh, go on. Um, I want to give a shout out to one group I saw that was doing. Uh, at the uh, Gundam photo cosplay photo shoot, um, they they had like the art uh, members of the uh, Archangel Bridge crew from Gundam Seed, and so all their masks looked like the uh, Strike Gundam's mouth, and then they had an Izak, and his mask looked like the Dual Gundam's ma- uh, mouth. And again, I saw a lot of people that like, hey, how can I make my mask match my cosplay? Which I thought was fantastic. I'm glad people got creative like that. People were having fun with it. A lot of the Nezuko's from Demon Slayer had the mask with the bamboo. Uh, there was the, the one we saw that we said earlier, the Mazinger one. I think the coolest one, though, was I saw, and I'm happy that this cosplay was happening. We had tons of Way of the House Husband, and he had the mask with the dog on it. Oh, that's props great. on that. Uh, there was, a for non-anime cosplays, tons of Loki. Tons of Loki. No, no, uh... Uh, he who remains, but tons of Loki, uh, including one who was a Loki variant COVID virus. Yep, because of the COVID variant. Yep, that was clever. Yep. Oh, uh, oh, I saw a couple of um, Mobius and Mobiuses. Okay, not great. And um, there was what's the other one? A couple of Sylvies. Yep, that were well done. Uh, surprisingly, no Harley Quinns and no Deadpool's. Well, supposedly there's one Deadpool. Supposedly, that's. But it's a shame. There's a. Oh, also. Oh, forgot the one cosplay that we both were geeking out about. There was a swindler from Akudama Drive. Yes, that she was. She was awesome, and I, I, I just wonder if it's people are sleeping on Akudama Drive or what. But, um, she definitely seemed excited that we knew who she was. So that that I was like when someone's like, oh my god, you're like the one of the few few people that recognize me. So. Yeah, no, she's the other one of that stood out. Uh, there was a surprisingly from uh, cells at work. We had a bunch of people walking around as white cells, blue as blood blood cells, and of course as awesome platelets. And they were having fun doing their walking in order. I'm just surprised they didn't have a whistle going. Well, platelets is such a great way to do a group costume because it's a very simple costume, and it's just hey, everyone join in. <laughs> and you just get in the line and walk around. That's it. Easy. Uh, there was, I was expecting or hoping for some Isaac in. I didn't see any Isaac in. Hmm. Yeah. I think that one just, that is cool with the shoe backpack, you know, but I I have to figure that one just, it missed its day in the sun. It's a shame. Such a good show, but yeah. So overall, um, comparatively let's get to the, let's round it, round this up because we've talked about everything pretty much. I think that this is a great 
start back into the live convention <coughs> world. I think it was well done. Uh, while there were some issues overall, I think this was a great step in the right direction. I agree. Um, and we're, we're, we're getting back into it. And so there's going to be, there's going to be some wrinkles. There's going to be some steps forward and some steps backward. But the thing I keep coming back to is I would see people I knew, <coughs> excuse me. And I would say, Oh man, it's good to see you. And then I would pause and realize how good it was literally to see the person in face to face. And it's like, you know, I realize how much I miss the con experience and how much I want things to keep moving in the right direction and not slow down anymore. We miss seeing our friends and it was good to see our friends. And for those of us who, you know, we're a little more extroverted than most, but not by much. I mean, those, yeah. those of us who are introverted, this was coming home and it was great seeing everybody again, everyone who it is and all the new people who showed up. I hope they had a blast. I really was Happy to see there were new con goers who were having a, who were enjoying this and were able to hang out. And there wasn't anything really – there was no one offensive. And that was one last thing I didn't say about the con attendees. They were overall polite and helpful, and they got along. I mean I heard there was like a couple of things outside the convention, but at the convention, with the exception of the typical con goer versus attend, uh, staffer thing – yeah, it was, was in a positive mood, and that really warms my heart. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it, it gave us a chance to really realize how good of a thing we have and appreciate it a little more. You, know, you talk about how sometimes you don't appreciate something until it's gone, and that kind of is how it felt. Like, oh, yeah, I do really miss this. And there were, again, like everyone, like you mentioned, everyone seemed to be just. Focusing on sharing a good time. Um, I do want to say one thing, though, which is that we know if, if if in our orbit we know about, say, 30 people, like our kind of our core orbit of people, I'd say about eight people maybe said, you know what, I'm still staying away this year, and I don't want those people to feel bad at all because there was definitely some risk going to this. And there was, yeah. And if it's, you know, Hey, I've got family at home that are immunocompromised or can't get vaccinated for whatever reason, or I just don't feel comfortable because things are a little crazy. I, I 100% get it because I think, you know, there's going to be other conventions. I'm super addicted to Oticon. So I have trouble giving it up, but I understand anyone that says this is the year I'm going to take off. I think that's a fine decision too. It is. It's and the thing is, even though it's fun, even though we love conventions, it's better be safe than sorry. And Hey, we're the test subjects after the convention. And before we both had COVID tests, we both came out clean. We're good. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think we can put a pin in this con report. I don't think there's anything we forgot. I mean, it's probably a ton we've forgotten, but I think that this is a good overview and if anyone has any stories they want to tell us, they can email me at Zan, that's X-A-N, at Spirekin.com. You can tweet us, tweet me at Spirekin, tweet uh, Doug at uh, Nagoki. Yep. Or you can check him out at, where's where are those interviews going to be at? Um, my convention report, um, as well as the interviews that I did at Otakon, will be at AnimeCons.tv. Um, it's great to finally have content to post there again because there haven't been too many anime conventions. So, hooray! Uh, fingers crossed that this trend will continue and we'll be able to provide more content for you guys. Well, fingers crossed that Anime NYC is going to still happen. Fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. But we're going to see how that goes. Uh, like I said, if you have any questions or comments, comment below. You can email me personally. Check out our other podcasts or other shows. And as usual. I'm Zan. I'm Doug. We are Gonsville. We'll catch you guys next time and keep going to cons and most importantly, be safe. See ya. Later.